Here we go. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. Thanks a lot again for joining us. I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. What's going on, y'all? Week 5 is nearly in the books, obviously, with the exception of Monday Night Football. Week 5 was interesting, man. We had a lot of things happening. A lot of good games again. Interesting contests. Our point spread was up and down. Fantasy football was live. Let's just hop right into it, man. I mean, let's go. Two teams on the bye week this week. We had the Dolphins, thank God, on the bye week. And the Detroit Lions. So, the remaining contests that were happening, let's go kick it back to Thursday Night Football. This contest between the Rams and the Seahawks. I was expecting quite a show from both teams and that's exactly what we got you know for the Rams who have been I'm gonna say it and they've been struggling on both sides of the ball the offense just simply doesn't look right the defense can't stop them all and going into Seattle to face Russell Wilson so my first inclination of what was gonna happen in this game I really did think that the Rams were going to were going to show something more than what they did. I mean, they weren't bad. But I mean, this contest to me signified everything that's wrong with the Rams. Their defense is just not there. They make mistakes all over the field. Marcus Peters, he was getting cooked everywhere on this field, and Russell Wilson just exposed them. You know, and I have to, you know, be fair. I haven't been preaching Russell Wilson's performance to the level that it should be to what he's has been doing so far this season. But this contest, if you missed it, Russell Wilson was a magician. He played to perfection. He wasn't going to allow any team to come into his house and steal the show, steal the spotlight. I mean, he didn't go for over 300 yards. He was he was just over 250, but he threw four touchdown passes. He was scrambling. He was evading defenders. That one touchdown pass he threw to Tyler Lockett in the corner of the end zone would look like he was throwing the ball away. Unbelievable. And Lockett made beautiful catch. It was It was fantastic. Chris Carson. Chris Carson, I have been lifting him up my ranks the last couple weeks because after I called him out and even Pete Carroll, his coach, called him out for fumbling the football so much, my, my trust level for him was was wavering. Carson had 27 carries in this ball game on Thursday. He was a machine. He didn't fumble the ball. He was trusted upon to deliver, and he did. He did. Russell Wilson, though, was on fire you couldn't stop this man he was efficient he could he could do whatever he wanted to do if he had to roll out and scramble he did that he ran eight times himself you know for the rams 
again, you know, we, we've preached this and we've discussed this the last four weeks before this contest happened. Something just isn't right with the Rams. They're just, they're just not fully there. They lost Brandon Cooks in this contest, which is a big loss. Todd Gurley still is getting his 15 carries. You know, he hasn't gone over. I don't believe he's gone over 20. I'll have to go back and check that out. But as far as I can remember, Gurley hasn't been going over the, the anywhere from 13 to 16 carries a game. So it, it's clear that they're trying to do other things. The adjustments in the second half the Rams made were perfect, though. They involved the tight ends more, both Higby and uh, Everett. They got into the game. Everett had a monster day, career day, 7 for 136. He looked good. And, of course, Cooper Cup, man. This, we said it last week that he is the number one receiver on this team, and I'm and I still going to preach it. I'm still going to say it. He looked great. He had 17 targets. Jared Goff is looking for Cup every chance he can get. So for fantasy football, if you own Cooper Cup, you're laughing because you know the, the target share is going to be there. But it was a good game. You know, and, and Pete Carroll, you know, we have to give him some props because he doesn't get enough credit for what he's done with that Seahawks team. When they looked like last year when they blew up the defense or the year before when they blew up the defense, it looked like that they were going to be going into a full-on rebuild, and they've retooled. They didn't rebuild. They retooled. And there's a big difference there because we can see how well the Hawks are actually playing. Good team. Rams are struggling. Hawks are 4-1, lead the division. All what happens tomorrow on Monday Night Football with uh, San Francisco and Cleveland, but as it stands right now, the Seahawks are leading and looking good doing it. So... Good way to kick off the week as we jump into Sunday. Interesting contests. You know, there was there was so many close ones. Couple blowouts. But let's start off. Let's go with the Jags. Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Carolina. No Cam Newton. And the Carolina Panthers have this confidence within them behind Kyle Allen. It's 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 strange to some degree because you know that they're going to be playing. They're be, they have been playing solid defense so far this season. And you know every week they're going to attempt to feed Christian McCaffrey, who's the workhorse, who's, who's a magician himself. But Kyle Allen has been very impressive to me because he's not losing the games. He's keeping them in the games and doing enough to keep this team alive. I mean, his numbers weren't great today. I mean, he was under 200 yards. He threw one touchdown. He was basically 50% passing, but the passes he made, he was definitely on target and on point. Like, he found DJ Moore a bunch of times today. Moore almost had basically all of his yardage. Moore had 91 yards, you know. But Christian McCaffrey, again, so this offense... It's clear, even with but without Cam Newton. So Cam Newton couldn't do this. Cam Newton wasn't doing this this season to start before he went off injured. So are we saying it's more just Cam Newton is injured and he can't deliver because he's playing hurt? It's possible. But from what I see with this Kyle Allen, he he's impressing me because 
he's learning and he's progressing and the throws he's making have been very solid. But let's go to their workhorse. Let's go to their superstar, Christian McCaffrey, fantasy football darling. He went off again today against, I don't want to say elite anymore for the Jacksonville defense, but they're still stout. They're still good. Again, without Jalen Ramsey, so they have to adjust. And it's clear they're not the same defense without Ramsey there. But CMC, 19 carries, 176 yards, two rushing touchdowns, adding six receptions for 61 yards, and another touchdown. Unstoppable. Christian McCaffrey, at this point, I feel comfortable enough to say is 1A to a 1B running back best in the league. The 1B is going to be Dalvin Cook. But at this point, I still will put Christian McCaffrey by a hair above Dalvin Cook because of what he can do in the pass game and what he is doing in the pass game. The Jaguars. Gardner Minshew. You know, you can't hate on the man whatsoever because all he does is make plays. He's confident in the pocket. He's confident outside the pocket. He takes what the defense gives him. He was good again today. Okay, the accuracy, maybe not so much. He had a couple throws you wish he would have, could have had back. You know, but with the run game with Leonard Fournette, Fournette goes over 100 again today. Fournette is back. He's doing what we expect. But now with Minshew throwing the ball, Minshew almost hit 400 yards today. And his favorite target, DJ Chark. This kid is a wide receiver one with a potential of superstar in the making. I'm a huge fan. I was on the fence when they drafted him. I'll I'll be fair. But what Chark is doing in this offense is nothing short of spectacular. He looks amazing. His route running is so on point, for lack of a better term. He is just... He is making defenders miss. He's doing everything right. I don't hate this Jaguars offense whatsoever. I think they need a secondary option to step up. D.D. Westbrook isn't isn't quite there yet. He hasn't been. You know, you're hoping for some more help. But, I mean, it was a tight game. Came down to the wire. It was late. It was looking like it was going to go in overtime, but... Carolina got a huge touchdown run for a, from their backup running back when uh, Christian McCaffrey went down. I believe it was with cramps. Bonifon, he, he went off. It was a 59-yard touchdown run, which sealed the deal. But this game was good. This game was really good. It was entertaining all the way to the end, high score. It was a good game. Moving along, next game on the board. The battle of the winless. The Arizona Cardinals and the Cincinnati Bengals. So I I have been supportive of Kyler Murray. And you know what? Maybe I've been a little too uh, forward thinking about how good. I don't want to say that. Kyler Murray is still very good. He's very solid. He has a lot of growing to do. And what I mean by that is his intelligence is there. 
but I think he's just not understanding the pro game. So breaking down the tape from the week prior, there was a, a one play that stuck out to me about Kyler Murray where he would basically go through one read and end up taking off in the pocket or out of the pocket, missing Larry Fitzgerald on an open comeback route. So these are the types of things I want to see him clean up. And he looked better today. He did. I mean, he wasn't great, but he did look good. He was running the ball. This was the difference in the game today. He was taken off and he was running. And it was adding to what they were able to do in the pass game. You know, he didn't throw a touchdown pass. He did find the end zone with his feet today. The pass game, it was basically just Larry Fitzgerald. There wasn't really much option outside of that, basically because Christian Kirk didn't play. So maybe chemistry was the issue. I was hoping for a lot more just because of how bad the Cincinnati Bengals defense is. And, I mean, granted, the Cardinals defense is no not very good either. So you knew that both, both sides were going to get their opportunities. But, I mean, the Bengals, they came out to play. They tried their best. I had Mixon in as my start. He did what he needed to do. He had 19 for 93 and one touchdown. Or, sorry, he missed a touchdown. But he did okay. I mean, it would have been nice to see him get in there. But, it's again, it's that offensive line in Cincinnati. I mean, this is the gravest concern for this club. You can't open up lanes for Mixon to run. Dalton has basically no protection. I mean, he was only sacked once today, which is good. But what is that saying? Because you're playing the Arizona Cardinals, who really don't have a pass rush themselves, even though they have Suggs and Jones. So, I mean, this game got exciting later on. Tyler Boyd, he had a good day. He went over 100 yards, 10 catches, and a touchdown. But he was the one who made a huge play at the end of the game, close to the end of the game. I believe there was like two minutes left. Uh, I believe it was a 40-yard-plus catch and run touchdown. Like, this is what got them back in the game, you know, it was looking it was looking like we would be headed to overtime and Kyler Murray the Kyler Murray show steps up again made some runs kicked the field goal Cardinals get their first victory of the season not the best game in the world but it was it was entertaining come down in the fourth quarter the 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 beginning stages of the contest weren't that great but progression man this is what I want to see from Kyler Murray and this offense Kingsbury did a better job in play calling it was clear but I mean again the same struggles that the Bengals have the Cardinals have they can't play defense they can't run the ball effectively I mean you take out Murray's 93 yards and I mean on the ground and and DJ still is being locked up I mean DJ almost had 100 today but I mean it was a it was a difficult 100 and playing against the Bengals team, you think DJ would David Johnson would have went went off today. Anyway, next one on the board, the struggling Dirty Birds of the Atlanta Falcons travel to Houston. So I'm off the wagon. You guys know if you've listened to the past shows that I'm a big supporter of the Falcons. You know, they're my second team that I really enjoy watching, primarily because of Julio Jones. He's he's one of my favorites. But I'm jumping off the wagon, man. It's done. Stick a fork in them. They're done. There's nothing left to see here. They will put on a show like they did today. They played well offensively, of course, again, 
Because, I mean, you, how can you not with that stacked offense? But their defense, again. So, Deshaun Watson, he, after last week's loss, he was seen and he was videotaped on the field by himself with his quarterback coach throwing the ball around well after the contest was done. Fans left the building. He was by himself. He was trying to work out all of his inadequacies, and it clearly showed the preparation was there. He did amazing today. This is the Deshaun Watson from week one against the Saints that we've been waiting for, that we were believing would be a constant for this season. The Houston Texans took it to the Falcons 53-32. to This is Madden stuff, people. Watson. Let me break it down for you what he did today. He only missed five passes today. Five. He threw 28 for 33. There is a record involved here. He is the first quarterback, I believe it's said in NFL history, to only miss five passes, throw for over 400 yards, and five touchdowns. This is what he did. He murdered the Falcons. There was nothing that they could do to stop this. So, again, another week goes by, and DeAndre Hopkins, I don't want to say he's he's seeming to be the afterthought in this offense, but it's almost as if they're daring the team, or teams are daring them to do something else. And it was the case again today. Hopkins was very quiet until the fourth quarter. So who did they use? Bum-ba-da-dum. We've been off of his wagon for basically after week two we 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 jumped off that's will fuller speedster will fuller big playmaker shown it in the past he's done nothing so far we wrote an article for another site discussing the downtrends of will fuller this week And, of course, he makes me eat my words, and he has a day. Will Fuller. Just like Deshaun Watson's numbers, let's let's read these off. Will Fuller, 14 catches, 217 yards, and three touchdowns. This is Madden. This is the numbers you put up in Madden on Rookie. This is how bad the Atlanta Falcons defense is, people. It's over. It's game over. So what can I say about the Atlanta Falcons? Again, the run game is non-existent. Devonta Freeman is trying. He's battling. I have to say that now I'm going to force a little bit more blame on the offensive line. They're just not getting it done. The holes aren't there. But Freeman doesn't look inspired either. Julio Jones, man. I don't even know what happened today to Julio Jones. He was locked down. He just couldn't find any room. It's almost as if they triple and quadruple covered him and said, you go ahead and beat us with anybody else. Impossible. So, I mean, the thing is with this offense, I mean, Sanu got in the mix. Freeman got in the mix in the past game. Ridley finally got on the board. 
Matt Ryan, again, his numbers look good for the fantasy perspective, you know, for the stat column. He goes over 300, three touchdowns again. But, I mean, there's nothing here that's tangible to be encouraged for this Atlanta Falcons club. Dan Quinn. So this is going to be the third week in a row that I am extremely critical on Dan Quinn. This is your forte. Coach Quinn. Defense is your forte. This is why Atlanta brought you here to revamp a defense that they couldn't figure out under Coach Smith. And you still, it, it it's been a it's been a downgrading ship ever since you came. Your first couple years look good, and now it's just a disaster. General Manager Dimitrov has some heavy decisions to make. I still like Dan Quinn as a head coach, but I don't know if his system's been figured out or the players are just not responding anymore and maybe it is time for a change. Big problems in Atlanta. Houston looked like game wreckers today. They get back on the top, on the books, looking good. Three and two. Lift themselves up back in the division. I like the game from the Texans today. I mean, I would have liked to see the defense tighten up a little bit more, but outside of that, they played solid. Watson looked great. Next one on the board. Let's go to New Orleans, where the Saints hosted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So one more, one of the most difficult contests to predict early this week, only because of what they did Tampa Bay, I'm speaking of, of what they did to the Rams the week before. This is what happens in this league. So when you're trying to predict these contests to understand what's going to happen the next week, you you definitely look and, and see what they did the week before only because it gives you that understanding, but it also clouds your judgment. And this is what this game did to me. So the spread opened up, I believe, at minus three and a half for the Saints. And I I grudgingly took it as the under, I believe. I took Tampa Bay. I thought this game would be a field goal. So I was I was basically shooting for the, the .5 points not to be on the board. But I I really didn't I, I, I really did not take into account the fact of how good of a head coach Sean Payton really is and I think we need to start talking about this a lot more Sean Payton is in that elite level category of best coaches to ever coach in this league I mean Bill Belichick is obviously the standard but Sean Payton has Teddy Bridgewater progressing and learning and executing Week in, week out since Drew Brees went down. So the reason why I took Tampa Bay in this contest uh, to not allow the Saints to cover the three and a half simply was because Teddy Bridgewater has been a game manager primarily since Brees has been gone. This contest changed everything. Teddy Bridgewater, Mr. Efficient, Mr. Prolific. 300 yards and four touchdowns for Teddy Bridgewater. He found Michael Thomas with high regularity. Thomas, Mr. Glue Hands, he goes off today. 
11 for 182 and two touchdowns. That's $100 million right there, people. That's what that gives you. Well done. The run game was soft today. It wasn't there. Camaro had a, had a hard time finding room. He was involved in the pass game, though. But, I mean, that's all they needed. And this is what Sean Payton constantly does. He adjusts the plan perfectly, and he gets his players to execute. Teddy Bridgewater executed today's contest to perfection. Tampa Bay. They fooled me. And I'll admit it. They fooled me. They are who we thought they were. This is what Tampa Bay is, man. They'll put up a good show just because the matchups are good that day. And maybe it's because we overthink the Rams, right? They put up 50 on the Rams and they come here this week and they don't even match up with the Saints. They put up 24 today. With that said, there were positives to the Tampa Bay Bucks game today. I mean, Watson, again, he didn't turn the ball over. He was, he was okay. He wasn't great. He couldn't find room in the run game. They were being stopped. But this goes to the credit of how solid the New Orleans Saints defense really is. Mike Evans, goose egg today. When was the last time we saw superstar Mike Evans not have a catch in a football game? That he didn't leave injured. He played the whole game. I kept looking back to see, is he on the injury report? Because I do not see him on this field. He was just locked down, man. Lattimore took it to him. Chris Godwin made up for it. Chris Godwin was the main player today. He was 7 for 125 and two touchdowns. He's turning into something else, too. I mean... If I'm Bruce Arians, I am enthralled and ecstatic and encouraged for what I have on this offense. Am I a believer in Jameis Winston? No. I'm still going to say it no because I still think that this is what you get from Jameis from from time to time, and it's more often than not, and that's the problem. I want a leader. I I want someone that's going to take charge week in, week out put the game on the, on his back, take the team on his back. And he just he just isn't that guy. He makes plays, he throws the ball very well at times. But if they can figure it out, he's on a contract year, so I think they may move in another direction, but it is only week 5. We're starting to learn a lot about what these teams are and what they're going to be and what they're going to do. Good game though. It was close 31-24 Saints come away with the victory. It was a good game. I think uh, Tampa scored late to make it look better than it was, but still good. So on the next one, this contest I was extremely interested in. I had a lot of a lot of questions that I I wanted answered. And I'm speaking of the Minnesota Vikings traveling to New York to face the Giants. Everyone knows what was happening in the media last week with Stefan Diggs calling out the quarterback, Adam Thielen calling out his quarterback. Not happy, obviously, with the production, with the pass game, with the offense, how it's all happening and, and coming out. But this game, I really was interested to see what they could do because this is a clear mismatch in my mind. 
the Giants are on the uptick, obviously, with Daniel Jones, but this game shouldn't have been a contest, and it really wasn't, but the scoreboard didn't reflect it. So if you're just if you're going onto an app and you're looking at the scores, you say, Oh, Minnesota just barely got by. They won twenty eight to ten today. I wanted to see a whole heck of a lot more from Minnesota personally. Because these are the types of games that define you later on in the season. It's a tune up. This is what you needed, Minnesota. You needed everything to come to fruition to play extremely well with zero mistakes and I mean you did that but you didn't put the points on the board like I was hoping so it's almost like you did all these things and you just didn't finish I mean they did pull it back as the game was out of hand you know but so anyway let's go ahead I'll I'll, I'll speak to the positives for the Vikings you know Kirk Cousins was very efficient today he only missed, what, five passes. He was over 300, had two touchdowns. He was good. And, I mean, this is what Cousins has done in the wins that they have had. He has been efficient. He hasn't turned the ball over. He does take those sacks. But, I mean, at some uh, at some point, you kind of give it to the offensive line not protecting and, and perhaps their coverage sacks. So, but... I'm not going to put Cousins off the hook because he still makes those mistakes. But today he looked good. And here's the formula that we were discussing before. Dalvin Cook is the machine. So like we were saying about Christian McCaffrey being 1A, the best running back in the league right now, Dalvin Cook is is 1B. They're basically neck and neck. They're the same thing. Superstar talent, best running backs in the NFL. I don't even care. You guys can can disagree all you want. This is these. I was preaching Dalvin Cook back in the offseason, fantasy football wise, when we were doing our player evaluations. I knew this was going to be his year. Only because we haven't seen it yet. He was injured. He has all the talent, and now he's finally put it together. The problem that I see here with this offense is you're still not putting it together where you are an elite, high octane unit. Okay? This is the problem. You should be spreading this ball around everywhere. They should the def, opposing defenses should be confused on who they need to cover because your run game is opening up all this opportunity. Adam Thielen had a very good day in the past game, very good day, seven for one thirty and two touchdowns. I got lots of shares of him in fantasy. I was happy. But look at Stefan Diggs, three catches, 44 yards. So this is the problem. You have two thoroughbreds in your pass game, and one of them is always stuck in first gear. So Coach Zimmer, it almost appears that he can't understand how to appropriately place everyone in this offense to be productive to win with those 35 40 point games this offense is built good enough that they could compete with the best in the business i'm convinced of that okay anyway it was good on their part they did improve they they impressed they didn't turn the ball over the mistakes weren't there you know so the Giants, I mean, what else could you say about New York today? Daniel Jones battled. He looked okay. He he made those rookie mistakes. He missed Shepard in the end zone, you know, which was a sure touchdown. He missed them. 
Shepard had to jump extra high, and he, he couldn't get his feet down. Wayne Gallman left this game early with a concussion. He, he didn't return after the first quarter. So, I mean, that was a massive problem. There was no run game. You know, Evan Ingram, again, he got in the action. Golden Tate saw limited action in his first contest returning from suspension. There's a lot of good things on this team that I do like, you know, especially with this receiving core. This this rookie, Darius Slayton, watch out for this kid, man. He has some skills. Go back and at least watch his replays because he, he has some skills. This Giants offense does not look as bad as everyone may think they did in this game. They just they just weren't there. I mean, they didn't have the run game. They were one-dimensional. Wait till Barkley comes back, and then we'll start to see something build a lot better. But as for Minnesota, I mean, it's a win. It's a good day for you. But when you're talking about competing with the best of the best in the league, I think this is a fail. This was a straight-up tune-up contest for you, and I don't. I, you didn't deliver, in my opinion. Moving right along, let's go to the first game in England. The Chicago Bears taking on the Oakland Raiders. So, I mean, okay, granted, the Oakland Raiders beat up on the Colts last week, and it's the Bears, the Bears' defense. So, I I mean, I couldn't have been alone. Nobody was taking the, the Raiders in this contest, even with uh, Chase, Chase Daniel at quarterback. How could you? I mean, it's the Raiders versus this elite superstar unit of a defense. But here, this is why we play the games, right? So the Oakland Raiders pull out the victory. They almost dropped it. They jumped out super early based on turnovers. It was 17-0 going into halftime. Chase Daniel looked horrible in the first half. Again, the Bears' run game just can't get it going. Montgomery is like a ghost. There's nothing positive there about this run game. 11 carries, 25 yards. I mean, Tariq Cohen is basically non-existent either. This run game is abysmal. Abysmal. I don't know what they can do to fix this because right now it is broken. It's broken. I had Allen Robinson today on my big play start list. Glad I did. He went off today. He had 97 yards, seven catches, two touchdowns. Good day in his part. Chase Daniel battled. He tried his best to bring this team back after he made the he created the big hole for them. The defense started to pick it up. But the Raiders, they were able to find success on the ground. So this was kind of interesting to me as well. How... Could it have been the travel? I mean, to to uh, it wasn't London. Where was this game? It went Tottenham. I mean, maybe it was the travel that took the toll on on the Ra- uh the Bears. You know, maybe they overlooked the Raiders to think that they were a lesser of an opponent. Raiders ran today. Jacobs looked phenomenal. There were holes opened up for him. He was twenty six for one twenty three. Found the end zone twice. He even got in on the pass game. He had four catches, three catches. Oakland stunned the Chicago Bears. And I mean, when you go back and you sit there and say, if Mitchell Trubisky was playing, would it have been a different outcome? I doubt it. 
because Trubisky hasn't been playing well either. And I mean, this is going to be a big defining contest for the Bears. Both the Raiders and the Bears are on the bye next week. I think Coach Matt Nagy is going to be in that film room for those two weeks by himself for at least one, two, three days to figure out what the heck is going on with this club on offense. This is your forte. Much like I criticized Dan Quinn for the defense in Atlanta, this is your forte. The Bears brought you here so that you could help this offense progress. The defense was already stacked. So if you can't figure this out, this is on you, Coach Nagy. You have a running back in this backfield that should be producing week in, week out, and it's just not happening. I'm blaming you right now. However, injuries are playing a part of it. I get it. Not giving you a pass. I'll just say I'll give you the bye week to straighten it out. Come back and show me something better. Next one on the board, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one because we already knew what was going to happen, what was going to transpire. The New York Jets traveling to Philadelphia. I mean, 31-6, to this was a no contest. We knew it. There's nothing here for the Jets. I mean, you had – so here's the one thing that actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight this for the Jets. This was one of the most peculiar situations I have ever seen from a head coach. Adam Gase is an offensive-minded coach. So if, it was a, if he was defensive-minded, maybe I could understand, but he's an offensive-minded head coach. He gave Sam Darnold the majority of the first-team reps and what, you didn't realize he wasn't ready to play coming off the mono? You put your backup quarterback, Luke Falk, in a situation of disaster. There was no way he was going to succeed at all. And you did this to him. The constant dysfunction that is coming from Coach Adam Gase, I can't even comprehend anymore I heard someone say he could be one and done and I can't disagree he'll play out one season and that's going to be it for his tenure here but Le'Veon Bell I feel for you you took the money you went to a bad club you're struggling now it is what it is he again put on a show for himself he tried he tried his best he put the team on his back but I mean there was nothing there for the Jets the Eagles, on the other hand, you know, they they were good on defense. This is what won you the game. I mean, the offense didn't have to do much at all. Howard found the end zone. I believe Wentz found the end zone once to Ertz. But outside of that, it was the defense. The defense played, sacked the quarterback how many times? Ten sacks. Ten sacks on Luke Falk. Defensive touchdowns, fumbles, interceptions. Could it have been any easier for the Eagles? You won the game. It was a gift. Take it. Run. You're 3-2. and two. You're staying, keeping pace in that division, that difficult division. So I feel for you Jets fans, Eagles got a gift. That's pretty much my uh, evaluation on that one. So the next one on the board, the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we took some criticism as we have been discussing our up and down 
feelings on Lamar Jackson. So I have been now on record for the past couple weeks saying that Lamar Jackson is game plan specific. You could you could coach your team with a positive game plan that could stifle him. And again, so the Pittsburgh Steelers are not the most high-end defensive unit. They got playmakers. They like to still blitz. You know, the, the secondary looks better now with Minka Fitzpatrick back there. But Lamar Jackson, once again, three interceptions. Three. One touchdown pass, under 200 yards. So here's the thing. They had to adjust the game plan because the pass just wasn't working. And, I mean, when you got Joe Hayden and Fitzpatrick back there, it's obviously going to be a problem. But this is exactly what I wanted to see. Pittsburgh is not an elite defensive unit. However, they are good enough to stop people. And this is what I wanted to see when we were discussing Lamar Jackson. Can he go up against the big boys? And Pittsburgh is not the big boys. And what can he do? He didn't pass the test today. I mean, he took off a bunch of times. So this is this is the thing about his game that makes him good. I mean, it's like Michael Vick. This is like Michael Vick. He carried the bar, ball for 14 times for 70 yards. So he couldn't find it through the air, so he makes up for it with his feet. I get it. I mean, this is his game. What else am I trying to say? But everyone is suggesting that he is this elite-level passer that I still don't believe he is. I think he's got a great arm. I think he's pretty. He's improved on his accuracy. But he isn't the quarterback, I think, that is going to lead you somewhere unless he is actually dialed in properly to understand what the defenses are doing. This is good experience for him. I think this is, an, this is a very big positive for his development. So if he can take this to the next level, then yes, I can say I, I will be a full-on supporter of Lamar Jackson. So again, I, I keep doing the percentage points every week on where I'm supporting the man, and I, I'm still going to keep it around 65%. I like his game. He is exciting to watch. Fantasy football-wise, he's always very good. But as a team, I don't know. And, I mean, look, so here, they barely won this contest by the skin of their teeth. I mean, it was an overtime 26-23 field goal. This game shouldn't even have come down to this point if it wasn't for Juju Smith-Schuster. And the fact that Mason Rudolph got knocked out cold on the field. He didn't even know where he was. And they had to bring in the third-string quarterback. So... The fact that the Baltimore Ravens only won this contest by three points against a, a third-string quarterback? I don't know. I got a lot of question marks for this Ravens club, man. This, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was, especially when Hodges came in. That's the third stringer. However, Ravens still win. It's a big win for them for this division. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to start to move up, so they got to keep pace. Prayers up for Mason Rudolph. That was an ugly hit. I mean, it, it wasn't intentional by Earl Thomas, but, I mean, it was still ugly. Unfortunately, he fell down. It looked like he got knocked out cold before he hit the ground. So prayers up to him. I heard he's in the hospital, so, so hopefully he's okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was supposed to be a bigger part of this offense, and he was today. He, he, he saw the ball a lot. 
He saw seven receptions. But now the problem that I'm seeing with Juju is, is he or is he not a clutch performer? So we saw it before where he'll he'll drop passes late in contests that are very important. He's fumbled the ball before in a, in a crucial part of the game last season, if we all remember. And this game was on the line. You had the opportunity, and I believe it was Humphreys that, that punched that ball out basically as soon as he caught it. I mean, it was a bang-bang play. I mean, you can't necessarily fault Juju for it. But you gotta you gotta protect that ball, man. It was a straight punch out, beautiful punch out. It was a catch, two feet, turn, punch the ball out, recovery on the sideline. This was a this was a hard fought battle, and I mean, every time you talk about the AFC North, it's always gonna be this way. But the Ravens squeak one out. Can't hate on them. They did it. They they won the game. Pittsburgh season is basically dwindling now. I mean, what are you gonna do with a third string quarterback? You're going to be going in for one of the top picks in next year's draft, and you traded your first away for Minka Fitzpatrick, so hopefully that works out for you. Next game on our board, the Buffalo Bills travel to the Tennessee Titans. Bills Mafia, ecstatic and elated. You're 4-1 for the first time in how many years? However, so I've been saying this about the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen um basically since the start of this show since we started week one you know i'll all i wanted to see was progression from from this club from josh allen we all knew the defense was starting to build something special this this group literally in my opinion is a few players away you're talking maybe three players maybe one more elite level talent away from being one of the best defensive groups in the league these guys are phenomenal. That defensive back core, that secondary, I mean, with Trey White, Hyde, Poyer, Wallace, these guys are players, man. They're good. When you watch them, they literally lock down the opponent. There is nowhere for them to go. And if you need any proof, go and see what the receivers did today. Again, the Bills game plan is you push your speedster talent to the sideline so there's no room to gash him down the middle and even if they get by you got Hyde and Poyer guarding the center field so there's nowhere to go so where they where teams are beating the Bills on defense is right in the middle Adam Humphreys was your leading target guy today four receptions Bills defense man this defense is good but when it comes to Josh Allen so here's the thing again you're leading in this contest so this has been this has been the problem. The Bills are up seven nothing, and he throws another pick at the worst possible time in a situation where you didn't need to throw that ball. It was it was irrelevant. There was no necessary need for it. Gave Tennessee all the momentum, and they were being outplayed. So. Missed field goals were the storyline of this contest. Tennessee, I do feel bad for you. I mean, Mariota didn't play ex- extraordinarily well. Derrick Henry was running very strong. He was finding ways to gash this group. I mean, it's just he's just a beast. 
when you watch him run, he just plows over guys. But missed field goals were the problem today. Penalties were an issue. But the Bills, 4-1, and one, an ugly 4-1 and one today, I will say that. But behind the defense, behind some solid running in the fourth quarter, Frank Gore took off. Even TJ Yeldon got in the mix. Good game all around. Defensive game. If you like defense, I like defense. I like to see good defensive play. The Titans' defense, man, they're a solid group too. I can't leave this without saying that how good they were. They're 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 a they're a bunch that I I believe they could hang with the with some of the best in the league. They're a very very good team. That Landry Harold Landry off the edge, he is something. Anyway, Bills are four and one. Tennessee drops down. Bills are going on the bye week next week, so we won't talk about them next week. Next one, the New England Patriots and the Washington Redskins. So, again, this was kind of like the Jets and the Eagles. Uh, What could we have said that would have inspired you to catch this match? Probably not a lot. I mean, the New England Patriots are who they are. They started extremely slow in this match, though. They really did. Again, it was almost as if there was no interest in it. That's kind of how it felt. They went into halftime. It was, what, 12-7? to 7? It, was, it was nothing really to speak of. You were actually thinking that Washington might pull this out in the second half because of how poorly the Patriots were playing. But again, it's the New England Patriots. Who is the best team in the NFL at adjusting at halftime? It's Bill Belichick, man. He does it all the time. Tom Brady comes in the second half without Philip Dorsett. He left early, and he started finding Edelman. He found Gordon. He found James White. Found his backup tight end. The run game got going. Sony Michelle had 91 on the ground today and a touchdown. Good to see that if you are uh, have Sony on your fantasy team. He kind of got out of the doghouse a little bit. But, I mean, this game, this is what it was. I mean, what else can you say about the Redskins? It's it's unfortunate for Redskins fans, but you are in complete disarray. Coach Gruden is basically going to have his uh, hall pass taken away. He won't even get in the building. But what else can you do? You lost Alex. This is this has been the problem since Alex Smith got injured, right? You 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 knew this was coming. Case Keenum was not your answer. Alex Smith looked to be. Uh, a plausible answer to your quarterback problem when you let Kirk Cousins go. You had something working. The defense is still sound. I mean, they still can make plays, but you can't think of them to win you contests, especially with an offense with led by Colt McCoy. Patriots win again. They're 5-0. and They're rolling. This is what they do in the season. Schedule has been weak for them. I do believe that the Patriots can be beatable like the Bills showed last week. If you could get some offense against this team. The defense was was interesting this week for the Patriots. They kind of took a step back in that first half. But 33-7, final score. So moving on to the afternoon games, late afternoon games depending on your time zone. The Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Chargers. I really didn't know what to make of this contest when I was reviewing it from the beginning. Um, I really, I want to like what Denver's doing. I really do. The defense is still sound. 
Joe Flacco has hasn't been as bad as everyone thinks he has been. He's improving every week. I mean, but he's he's Joe Flacco. He's not going to put you up the the gaudy statistics that everybody wants him to do. He's a stopgap fill-in quarterback for the Broncos to see what they can do with finding another one. So the interesting part of this contest was how fast the Broncos took the lead. It was 14-0 before I even knew what happened. Cortland Sutton took like a 70-yard touchdown scamper after Flacco hit him on the sidelines. Sutton is putting in a season quietly. He is making plays. He is scoring touchdowns at will every week. He is becoming necessarily a start, uh, fantasy football start player every week. But like the uh, Denver Broncos do, they allow teams to come back. Phillip Rivers made his attempts. Phillip Rivers looked horrible today. They had every answer for this offense. Melvin Gordon shows up, doesn't do anything. Eckler doesn't really do much in the run game. Eckler was your machine in the pass game, but that's all they had. They had the check down and the dump off. Keenan Allen got shut down. Kudos to you, Chris Harris. You made him look like a rookie. There was nothing there viable for him to make any plays. And if they were, they were behind the line. Broncos, defense, before this game came out to play, they said that Von Miller was on the trade block. They're going to fire sale, blow this team up. I don't think we're going to see that happen just yet. Perhaps we'll see how it, how it goes. Because, I mean, if they were going to go 0-5, then definitely the tank would be in and, and go for that potential number one pick fight with Miami. But... Broncos still, they come out with the win. The Chargers attempted to come back, just didn't happen. This game was ugly, man. I mean, if you saw it, this game was just ugly. There wasn't nothing really special for this one. So I think I'll just move on on that one. Sorry for the fans of the Chargers and the Broncos, but Broncos do win. Flacco looked okay. The run game got better. Phillip Lindsay was over 100. He looked good today, and... I mean, that's all we can really say about that one. Next one on the board, the game of the afternoon, the game of the day, the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. I was excited for this matchup. Won't lie. Not really a big Cowboys guy, but I was I was pretty excited for this one. Green Bay. This This one in the first half was all Green Bay. So this contest, let me just paint you a picture. It was a story of two halves. The first half was all Green Bay. The second half looked like it was the Cowboys. But it had it had penalties and turnovers. And it was it was one of those games that you wish that if the flags weren't there, it would have been more fluid. But regardless to say, the Green Bay Packers took it to Dak Prescott in the first half. You know, even though there were opportunities, there were the penalties that were killing them. When they, whenever they made a big play, the Cowboys did, it would get called back on a penalty. And then you'd get a tip pass intercepted. I mean, Jari Alexander was getting roasted by Amari Cooper today. He got roasted by Amari Cooper today. Cooper was 11 for 226 and a touchdown. Every time you saw Cooper make a play... It was on Alexander. I felt bad for him. However, Alexander made plays in the in the uh, defense as well. He was making interceptions happen. 
was a very weird game. The Packers were without Devontae Adams. Extremely important. I thought this one would be very difficult for them to overcome, even though they have Geronimo Allison and uh, Valdez Scantling. I thought, I thought you know, they would be able to keep up, even with Jimmy Graham taking a little bit of the heat off it. But what did the Packers do today? They ran the ball. When do we see the Packers' commitment to the run? We don't see this. It doesn't happen. Aaron Jones. Free Aaron Jones. He went off. 19 carries, 107. Four rushing touchdowns for Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones even got in the pass game. Seven catches for 75 yards. This was his day. I couldn't understand why Dallas didn't adjust this earlier on their defense with their linebackers. You have talented enough linebackers that, okay, fine, you can't stop the run, but allowing Jones to just gash you in the pass game off these quick dump-offs from Aaron Rodgers, I didn't understand why you weren't pulling your safeties up to help this situation. Regardless to say, the Cowboys did try to come back. They were doing well. Dak found some rhythm. The run game started moving a little bit more for the Cowboys. But they just, the mistakes killed them. In the end, that was it. The Packers' defensive line found ample amounts of pressure. And, I mean, it's it's no coincidence. The, the Cowboys' offensive line was dealing with a great deal of injury. So, is it is it what it was supposed to be? It, perhaps. Perhaps. Aaron Rodgers did not throw a touchdown pass today. Surprise. Even though they put up how many points today? They put up 34 points. Not one touchdown pass came from Aaron Rodgers. Was a good game, but it does prove a lot to me about what the Cowboys are and what they aren't. So uh, I wasn't the biggest supporter of Dak Prescott coming into this season, and I mean this is this is why. If you if you read my work on all day football, you would see and understand why now why I was saying that in the off season. He's always in a he's always a wild card. I mean, if the game is is reliant on his arm to make the plays, he's gonna make these mistakes against a stout unit. Green Bay's secondary is stout. I mean, they just gave up big plays, but they also made a lot of plays. I think there's a lot of improvement coming from Green Bay. They will figure it out. But it is the Petten defense. It comes back from the Rex Ryan days, where they're they're bend but don't break. They give up lots of yards, they don't give up lots of touchdowns, and they get lots of sacks. I mean, that's their formula. And, I mean, they're playing it to perfection. Look, they just won another huge contest in the NFC. And Dallas put themselves behind the eight ball now because now they're tied with the Philadelphia Eagles. So it's going to get a lot more interesting in that NFC East. But it was a good contest. There was only two this afternoon, late afternoon, so... Let's move on to the Sunday Nighter in Kansas City. I took the spread. It was it closed at I believe nine and a half or ten and a half points, and I took the the Chiefs to cover. It wasn't a bad bet, and I still think I would take it again. So, from what I saw here in this contest, the first quarter said everything. Patrick Mahomes was on fire. He was just throwing the ball everywhere. Sammy Watkins basically didn't even play in this contest. He tested out the hamstring, and he basically was ruled out. So, I mean, they had patch-made players now. So you had Robinson, you had Pringle, 
and then you had Hardman. So your, your chemistry was obviously going to be off. Travis Kelsey did not look like himself today whatsoever. He was dropping balls, just wasn't himself at all. But the problem that I saw was it wasn't only that the, the Colts adjusted on defense, which was even more spectacular because they were dealing with so many injuries. You basically had third stringers on that back end, and the Chiefs just couldn't capitalize. But Patrick Mahomes is clearly playing injured. I mean, we know that that ankle was wrapped up before the contest. But as the game wore on, you could see it was affecting him. And then it got stepped on by his own own lineman. Friendly fire hurt his ankle even more, the one that was wrapped. And you could see the mobility was gone. And once you remove the mobility from Patrick Mahomes, that's it. This game over, right? He still attempted, but he he's not able to make those plays that he does. So... The Colts, on the other hand, played this game to perfection. They ran the ball, controlled the clock. Marlon Mack, he looked absolutely fantastic today. The Colts held the ball for 37 minutes. 37 minutes. This is your plan. Frank Reich knows what you need to do to beat a high-octane group. You keep them on the sideline, and he did it. Marlon Mack, his runs were patient, precise. He carried the ball 29 times today, 132 yards, 4.6 average. This is what he was able to do. But, again, are we surprised? This is the Chiefs' defense. It is nothing spectacular. They're nothing special. They can't stop the run. So, my other beef with this contest uh, for the Chiefs, I really didn't like how they completely ran or went away from the run. They completely went away from the run game. Damian Williams had nine. Mahomes had three. Sherman had one. Hardman had one. That's it. You, your lack of commitment to the run game was baffling to me because this contest was extremely close, and it was almost as if you thought you could just continue the deep shots, and they were just being covered. Even when you made a big play, you couldn't finish it with a touchdown shot. So I, I couldn't understand the game plan from Andy Reid. It was it was almost like that they weren't as prepared. You know, LaShawn McCoy made a made a fantastic play on on a screen pass that went for some big yards, but he fumbled the ball and he never came back on the field. I mean, Andy Reid basically benched him for that one fumble, that one mistake, which Shady barely fumbles in his career. And then the run game just took a uh, took a, a non-existent role after that. Especially with Mahomes injured. I couldn't understand that even more. You got Mahomes hobbling on the on the field, and you're not willing to run the ball. Baffling. So I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk this one up as an Andy Reid loss. I'm not gonna blame Mahomes. He was hurt, he was battling, he was trying. I'm gonna put this all on Andy Reid. I think this was poor coaching. Poor coaching. Great coaching by Frank Reich. They they held their own. They walked into Arrowhead, a very difficult place to to win a game. So, so looking ahead to Monday Night Football, we have the Cleveland Browns in their third primetime showing of the season taking travel to San Francisco. I am very interested in this contest only because of how well the Browns played last week. If they can make it translate to success this week, I will start to become more of a believer. 
I wasn't a naysayer, but I want to see a lot more consistency. Play calling was good. The commitment to the run was great. Baker Mayfield was on point. This is what I want to see. That defense, This I'm very interested and curious about this defense against the San Francisco 49ers who are coming off the bye. Kyle Shanahan, extra week of preparation. Jimmy Garoppolo will be ready, should be ready, because he's had the extra prep. But this defense, the defensive front, is very sound, man. They can get to the quarterback. They make you rattled. And they did it last week against the Ravens without Denzel Ward. Again, they're not going to have Ward. They're not going to have Greedy Williams. So I'm very curious to see how the Cleveland Browns are able to compete with the 49ers. The 49ers, to me right now, are a paper undefeated team. They haven't really played enough of a, a, a challenger to make me a believer just yet. They've played well. I don't want to take everything away from them, but this is a very good contest for the 49ers. If San Francisco can come out and play in this one, I'll eat my words. I'll eat them straight up because they just it, it hasn't been pretty. Maybe that's the, the thing with the 49ers. Their victories just haven't been pretty thus far. But Monday Night Football should be a good show. Vegas has closed at minus five for the 49ers, which I find crazy. I'm taking the under. I'm taking Cleveland to, to if they don't win, they're they're gonna not allow the 49ers to cover that spread. But we're in for a show. I like it. I like this contest. I like this matchup. It should be a good one. Let's see see what can happen. But on that note. Thanks a lot for tuning in once again for the NFL Recap Show. This is week five. The NFL is just rolling. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. And once again, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And until next week, stay humble, stay peaceful, take care of each other. I'm out.